Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, January 12th, 2017. We are getting ourselves buttered up for the divisional matchups for this weekend. I'm here with Shaka, as always, to break down everything you need to know. Shaka, how you doing today? Feeling good. Feeling good. Looking forward to these games. Dude, me too. I'm I, so... I'm glad you're coming back on this week because we really needed to break this down. Listen, there was a there was some fun chaos with the uh, Dallas Cowboys fans, but uh, I do need to. We I really wanted to spend a lot of time talking about this Chiefs Steelers game. So which is fair because it's a that's going to be a, it's a tough one to call, dude. That is. I feel like that's the understatement of the year. This thing is it's it's an absolute pick 'em. You know, I was um. I was. Uh, someone asked me today. They were. They were trying to. They're in a pool and they're trying to bet winners. And you know, they're like, "Listen, I, not only do I need to pick a winner, I need to beat the spread." And I'm sitting here saying, you know, well, I would say go get the Patriots. And they're like, "Well, the Patriots are getting. You know, they're giving the Patriots are, you know, minus 15 points." And it's like, would I rather go with the Chiefs with you know a one point spread or the Patriots with a 15 point spread? And I'm sitting here going, you know, I actually kind of trust the Patriots to cover that many points versus this Chiefs-Steelers game because I'm just so up in the air with what the hell is going to come out of this game. Um, yeah. Do you want to bounce off a few ideas? What do you think is going to come out with this, this Steelers-Chiefs game? What do you think is going to be one of the storylines? I got some ideas, but I want to hear what you're thinking. Well, I mean, considering that the, these two teams in terms of composition are so different from when they faced off during the regular season, yes. uh, you're, that's... The, probably the biggest reason why you can't just shoot off from the hip and, you know, make a, a pick right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, for starters, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs' offensive game has always been in question, but now it's completely focused on another angle, and it's, yeah. you know, big playability. And yeah. the number one, you know, cause of that is a rookie. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a rookie wide receiver, Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Game-changing, you know. If you look at just his highlights, and this is his rookie year, he's got 10 touchdowns as a rookie. Whew. Special teams, why receiving, you know, he, he does it all. He's pretty much in every man. He's so tiny, but he's so fast. And I want to bring up, he, changes games. he was not a big part of this offense in the in the beginning part of the season. And, and to reiterate, that initial game between the Steelers and the Chiefs when the Steelers absolutely blew them out, Tyreek Hill was still kind of like a, you know, they were not integrating him into the offense. So in some regard, yeah. he wasn't even really, you know, a factor in that first game. But that's he, definitely not going to be the case this time around. I think he scored a touchdown in garbage time, but the game was pretty much over at that yes. point. They got blown out, I think, 43-10. to 10. That's correct. So, it was it, it was know, like 36-0 going into the fourth quarter. It was all garbage time at that point. And I think really the injuries that Kansas City had, you know, some big play, uh, you know, big player positions, kind of, I don't want to say forced Tyreek into the forefront, but I think he had some big, you know, kickoff returns for touchdowns and punts for touchdowns. Where you know they they threw in these little packages and you know he was making the best of it, you mm-hmm. know counters and reverses and screen passes, and he would get him big first downs. So he's he's become kind of more the marquee player on this team. I think he made the uh, the All Pro with a, uh, at kick return position as a rookie. So Believe he did. Believe he, he did. No slouch. I uh, so one of the things that I'm taking away, it, it, and absolutely I want to echo you that initial game when the Steelers slaughtered the Chiefs is is so long ago. It was week four. You know, something else, you know, that game has its own storylines. They talk a lot about how 
my Philadelphia Eagles had just obliterated the Steelers one week before. So there was a little feeling like the Steelers were, you know, they kind of wanted to get their mojo back, and the Chiefs were the guys who were in their way and just got bowled over. They took an early lead, and, you know, they went up so fast by so much. The game was essentially over at that point, and the Chiefs just went into a bye week the next week, and it was like, you know what, let's just... Let's cash our let's let's you know cash our chips in you know cut our losses and just get the hell out of here without too many injuries. Um, yeah, basically. Certainly not going to be the case here because this is the playoffs. Uh, that game was in Pittsburgh. This one's going to be in Kansas City. Now, granted, both cities are frigid, but that initial game was back in September, October. Weather was not as much of a factor. Weather is certainly going to be a factor here in Kansas City. It's going to be chilly. Um, I don't think they're saying it's going to be like 11 degrees uh, like it was in Green Bay and Pittsburgh last weekend, but I think it's going to be, you know, probably in the mid to high 30s. I think they're also predicting uh, a storm. I think they're saying there's going to be rain. I've heard something about, the, you know, the classic uh, wintry mix where you get a little bit of slush. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be hazardous out there. We might see the run game as more of a factor just to kind of ensure no turnovers. Yeah, and, you so know... It, it changes the dynamic a little bit. I, I like to call the wintry... I like to call that shitty weather. Uh, so I think we're going to have... <laughs> I think we're going to have shitty weather in Kansas City. Um, but let's pivot to the running game because now I really... These are the things that I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about this game. I'm thinking about the fact that Kansas City has been able to really win games off of opportunistic turnovers. Their defense has not been the stiffest defense in the league, but it is an explosive defense. It's a defense that ripped the ball out of Kelvin Benjamin's hand at the end of that Panthers game. It's a defense that picked off Matt uh, Ryan on the during the two-point conversion and ran it back for two points. That's the opportunistic element of this defense, the turnovers that they can, you know, get. Now, one of the things I see in the favor of the Chiefs is that Ben Roethlisberger has been getting a little interception happy. Uh, I, I, I think his play has improved since he's come back from his meniscus tear, but with his improved play, you're also seeing him throw some really lame duck passes that end up getting picked off, and... Something to take a look at it is, is, I know the Steelers obliterated the Dolphins last week, but if you look, Ben Roethlisberger did not throw the ball that much. Now, granted, they got up early, and they probably just ran the ball to salt away the game, but I don't think that's an accident. I think the Steelers want to be focusing more on Levy and Bell. I think they want to have less of it be on the shoulders of Ben Roethlisberger and more in the hands of Levy and Bell because I'm starting to think about Levy and Bell running all over the place. I'm starting to think about the fact that, A, Justin Houston didn't play in that first game, and he will be back. But we've also talked about on this podcast before, Derek Johnson, as soon as he went down with that Achilles injury and they put him on IR, the run defense for the Chiefs really started to fall apart. And I think that's a weakness that the Steelers are going to exploit. And that's what scares me, is I see Levy and Bell ripping off a couple of gigantic run plays, and I don't really think Roethlisberger is going to be the star here. I think it's Levy and Bell. What are you thinking? Well, uh, I'm going to touch off on a few of the points that you made here because you, 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 you hit the nail on the head uh, on quite a few of them here. First of all, Kansas City, right, um, just, just has this knack for being where the ball is and just somehow getting these turnovers. They're, they're, they actually tied for first in the NFL and, you know, just turnover differential. They mm-hmm. just make it happen every mm-hmm. time. So it's, it's huge considering that the offense isn't that strong, you mm-hmm. know. The fact that they have so many more opportunities to score and not just score, kind of run the clock out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with their running game, is it's big for Kansas City. They can get a lead and they can hold on to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll factor in that uh, Alex Smith is a really good 
game manager. He doesn't turn the ball over too much. You know, he can get first downs, not necessarily explosive offense, but enough to kind of keep control of a game once they get a mm-hmm. hold on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Touching on the other aspect, uh, the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, right, has not really played well at all since he's come back. Um, and it's weird because he's actually been hit a lot less than he usually is. Yeah. He's just a little bit more fragile. He was uh, he was in a walking boot after the last game, but yeah. they say he's okay and he plans on playing. So that's going to be interesting to Dude, see. You've got to, like, chop his rushing. head off to get him to actually not play a game. I mean, if he came out on the field with one leg, I could still believe he would be starting. Yeah, I mean, the guy's, you know, 6'5", he's 200 and, like, what, 30, 240 pounds? He's a big he's, man. He's a tank. So he's a really hard guy to kind of keep off of the field. But it still should be interesting to see his mobility because he's not the most mobile quarterback to begin with. Uh, and, you know, like you said, Justin Houston is going to be back. Uh, the Chiefs have a pretty good edge rush, so there's going to be some chances for them to put pressure on him if they, you know, don't want to go the way that they should, mm-hmm. which is Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell has been playing absolutely out of his mind mm-hmm. since he came back from that suspension. So they, they would do well to kind of lean on the running back in this situation. Now, I know everyone is excited about the Steelers right now because, you know, to quote Zoolander, they're so hot right now. They're just, I mean, they are really, really hot. They blew out the Dolphins. It's no mystery that Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are absolute world beaters on the offensive side of the ball. Um, And I think a lot of people are just easily falling into that trap of just saying, all right, they're going to just put up tons of points on the Chiefs, and that's that's that. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case, but I also do think it's going to be the case. I do believe that the Chiefs have to slow down that offense. This off and I was looking back at the Steelers. I you know, I looked at their schedule. They put up points in just about every single game they play. With the exception of that Eagles game where they only put up 3 points, every game was at least 25 points or more. 25 points, 30 points, 33 points, 43 points. Then I look at the Kansas City Chiefs. And I see how most of their victories, they're coming out with 20 points. 22 points, 25 points, maybe they crack 30. Like the last two games of the season, they actually cracked 30 points. So it, again, no mystery that the Steelers definitely do have a more explosive offense. What I'm seeing now is I think the Steelers are going to come in with a lot of firepower. And I think the Chiefs are a team that has a good defense, but it's a defense that relies on those turnovers. And I don't know if they're going to get as many turnovers as as I think they're going to get. And even if they do get those turnovers, I don't have as much confidence in the Chiefs' ability to slow down this explosive offense that Ben Roethlisberger has. And, I mean, Roethlisberger, these guys, he's a Super Bowl winner, man. This is a guy who knows how to go into foreign territory in shitty, cold Kansas City weather and win a big-time playoff game. Yeah, it's uh, one thing we... I feel like I really never took into account, and I credit Deadspin for a really, really good piece on him. Ben Roethlisberger, when he came in that year, he won the Super Bowl as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And, and, now, and now let's playing. be clear, he was not a rookie. I believe it was second year he won. His rookie year, they were 15-1, and one, and he went into the divisional round against the Patriots and lost, or the AFC uh, Championship. Right. You're right, you're right. But it was um, the, the next year he won like it was yeah, ain't no thing. Game. And even then, he wasn't. It, it was more so that his his co-stars were. You mm-hmm. know, he still had Heinz Ward, Jerome Bettis. He had a ton of yeah. He had a ton of help. You know, going to that Super Bowl, and he wasn't that dynamic of a quarterback. It wasn't until a few years later we actually kind of saw the maturity, and I feel like it wasn't really talked about mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as he matured. But 
I'm not Roethlisberger turned into a pretty good gunslinger of a quarterback. Yeah. He'd throw the ball deep. He always did throw the ball deep. But he was a lot more accurate. Mm-hmm. And he was better able to turn, you know. And we've talked about this before. He had a bunch of wide receivers out there who he got big money contracts playing elsewhere. Because mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. turned guys into stars, you yeah. know. I mean, we've talked about uh, this before. The Mike Wallace, you know, going yeah, somewhere Mike, else, getting paid. These guys just took off because, you know, uh, the Steelers just aren't that kind of team to just blow big money on their, their players. So I, I, I think um, he kind of gets a little bit, not as much of the credit that he should for being so good. Uh, that being said, he does have a penchant for throwing the occasional interception, but that yeah. kind of comes with that gunslinger. Yeah. You know, he's, got, he's got a little bit of that Brett Favre in him. Yeah, exactly. Guys like that, you know, who are going to take big gambles downfield, eventually they're going to pay for it and not in a good way. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of it, it comes with the territory. But that last game that they played against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, there were a bunch of times on the field where guys were wide open. Yeah. For the Steelers, they got wide open touchdowns where they were beating defenders, and I, there were a lot of missed and miscommunications on Kansas City's part. I don't think they're going to make that mistake twice. No, and and now this is a this brings me to another point, which is okay. Kansas City has had a great season, and Andy Reid is their coach. And let's be clear about Andy Reid coming off the bye. Are you familiar with his record coming off the bye? I think he's. It's supposed to be something insane. It's something. It? It's like nineteen and two, and this is something yeah. that dates all the way back to his time in Philadelphia. I rem- as a Philadelphia fan, I could tell you, everybody knew that after the bye week. Andy Reid's teams showed up and performed and performed well. Andy Reid's team losing after a bye week was a rare occurrence. So I am definitely taking that into consideration because I know Andy Reid is going to have this team prepared. I also, you know, want to give them some credit because, you know, Andy Reid doesn't like going, you know, one and done either. He's definitely a good enough, you know, he has his issues during the two-minute warning and clock management. I think we're familiar with that shit. But I know that he's going to prep this Chiefs team. I know there's going to be some plays in there for Tyreek Hill to take the top off the defense. I know that there is going to be some huge third down catches by Travis Kelsey. The thing that scares me is that I don't know if I can trust their running game like I can trust Levy and Bell's running game. I don't know if I can see I don't know if I can see Spencer Ware and Alex Smith prolonging drives the way they're going to need to to keep that high-powered Steelers offense off the field, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. I, I think if we're, we're, we're talking about comparisons, even even if they were on par, offensively speaking, with a, a, a Steelers team like this, I, I don't, that's really all it takes for them to be you know, the favorites there, but they just don't have that kind of ammunition. You've got Antonio Brown. You got Le'Veon Bell, who every time I watch him run, I I think I don't I I, I take him for granted how patient he is, mm-hmm. how how he waits for everything to develop before he makes the cuts. He he he's like a man who has nowhere to be right now on the field, and he's so good at it, and he does it to every single defense yeah. he plays against. Yeah. You know? And, you know, deep down, when it comes to the playoffs, I want to say defense wins championships, and it does. I believe that. But the truth is, it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes, even a good defense can get burned down by an amazing offense. Case in point, me picking the Giants last week and seeing them get burned down by Aaron Rodgers. Then again... You can get gassed. Uh, there's, there's, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is superhuman. Yeah, you're going to have those days where you just you, you put everything, you put your best effort forward, and you're just going to get beat. Uh, you know, and... 
I unfortunately for the Giants, that moment came at the wrong time. You don't want yes. that to be the playoffs. I, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a hell of a game. I think that this Chiefs Steelers, you know, it's going to be one for the ages. Uh, but and it was so hard. It's so effing hard to try to figure out who to pick for this, but. I mean, I'm picking the Steelers. I just think their offense is just clicking. It's too explosive. I I know that is good at... I want to pick defense, and defense wins championships, but this Chiefs defense is not disruptive enough to slow down what Levy and Bell is going to be able to do. You know, I think they can probably, you know, break up the chemistry between Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, but... No one's going to be able to stop Levy and Bell from getting his. And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm having flashbacks to that Chiefs playoff game when they were, remember when they were beating Andrew Luck and the Colts and then they just completely fell apart and gave the game away in the second half and Andrew Luck came all the way back and won like 45 to 42? I think it's a, that kind of sums up this question of what kind of Steelers team are we expecting to see on the field in terms yeah. of, you know, uh, ben Roethlisberger, maybe not playing for his best, but still just the, the, the personality he has behind him on the field. I look at them, and I see them as a team that could stand toe-to-toe with an Atlanta Falcons team mm-hmm. in terms of just offensive potential, mm-hmm. you know, at any given day. Even the Patriots, I would say Steelers, potential-wise, the amount of talent they have, maybe a slight edge on, like, the Patriots offensively. But the Patriots play at a more consistent clip yes. than the Steelers do. You might get a more anemic offense with a with a Roethlisberger on the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm picking. I'm picking I, the Steelers. I, I, Who I you go, got? I got to go Steelers as well. I, look, there's too much firepower on that team. Uh, they should torch everyone they play. It doesn't always happen. But that being said, I just don't see Kansas City being able to keep up. Yeah, it's I. You know, I, I, I got to give a lot of credit to the Chiefs. I think they've had an amazing season. I think they're an extremely dangerous team. And I've got to, you know, I give a lot of respect to Andy Reid after the bye. But I, I this is going to be a hell of a game. And I do think it will be close. And I, I mean, I, it's the Steelers, man. It's, I, I got to pick somebody. You know, if I'm Kansas wrong, City's, so be it. Kansas City has done a lot more this season with a lot less than some other teams have. Yeah. So, yeah, any run like this is, it's amazing. I, I'm curious to see just what they come out with gameplay-wise yeah. to try to stop the Steelers team. Okay, let's move to uh, Texans-Patriots. Um, I don't know how much time we truly need to spend on this game. Um, I, uh, You know, here, let us let me start off with this question that I had that I posed to you at the beginning. Okay, if you had to pick the Patriots beating the 15-point the spread and winning the game or the Chiefs-Steelers... Like which you had to pick one. It's like you've got to you've got to pick one. Who would you rather go with? Would you rather go with the Steelers or would you rather go with the Patriots winning and beating the spread? I, I feel like I got to go with the Pats. Right, right. Like that's a ridiculous spread, but it still feels like a better pick. I don't know what uh, Belichick's record is after the bye, quote unquote. But in <laughs> this time, you've got you've got a, a Patriots team that's been sitting for a while, and I don't look at them as a team that has trouble kind of getting the rust off mm-hmm. after sitting too long. I yeah. think it's just too much time to let, you know, the mastermind get prepared and yeah. kind of go over his, his, his war charts, yeah. you know, and just figure out ways to completely shut you down. So it's too much time to let 
a very dangerous Patriots team fit. Yeah. And figure out how many ways it's you know, you. Especially a team like the Texans. Yeah. Who has no quarterback. No. You know, and this, listen, this Texans-Raiders game, I mean, you want to talk about really losing an MVP. The Raiders' offense was non-existent without Derek Carr. Absolutely non-existent. I mean, listen, no offense, Connor Cook. God bless you. I'm sure you played your best. You did what you could on a few weeks' notice, but it just wasn't there. And, you know, we talked about this before. Texans were had the home field. They've got a decent defense. They played some good ball. Brock Osweiler finally threw a nice pass to DeAndre Hopkins, and, and you yeah. get a victory. God bless you. But you're going into New England, Gillette Stadium, after Jacoby Brissett beat you 27-0. I mean, I just, you know, when I, when, I, when my buddy, uh, uh, Noah Selling's brother Danny, asked me actually, you know, which one should I pick, I'm sitting here going, I think the Patriots are going to hang 30 points on the Texans. Uh, yeah, I think the question, the only question left at this point is by how much mm-hmm. of a victory, of a margin of victory. Uh, there's just too much firepower. And there's, even just in the passing game alone, they don't yeah. even need I, I, to worry. Garrett Blunt is one of the toughest running backs in the NFL, mm. even though he's kind of unsung because he's on the Patriots. Dude, just, completely unsung. And he set a franchise record for rushing touchdowns for the Patriots. I think he had 15 or 16 rushing touchdowns. I think he's going to get plenty of fun on the field. This weekend, and I think every now and then you're just going to see Tom Brady air one out, yeah, just to kind of crack everyone Dude, back to attention. Le- and let's let's not forget that Tom Brady now has Michael Floyd on his offense. He's oh, now gosh. got Dion Lewis to throw into the backfield along with Legarrette. You know, smoke that blunt, blunt, and uh, who is who's the other guy they got back there? Uh, James White. I mean, you can take your pick amongst these guys, and there is not another coach out there other than Bill Belichick, who prepares his team to absolutely attack and dismantle the weak link of the other team. You said it, man. With a bye week, Bill Belichick, you know he prepped his entire team to sit there and be like, all right, what exactly do the Texans do terribly, and how can we exploit that? It's, I, I, I'm really kind of in awe that the Texans' defense is still as good as it is. Mm-hmm. Without a JJ Watt, mm-hmm. Davian Clowney's been playing really, really well. They got some actually pretty decent play from the secondary, mm-hmm. and even then, just looking at who's playing quarterback mm-hmm. for them, and you just like God, Brock Osweiler. Yeah, you, uh, you know, know all this money, <sighs> and for you know the, probably one of the biggest games of the franchise right now. I mean, it's and a it's a it, big game for this franchise, but they're going to go down in flames, man. I mean. It's, it's, pretty much all downhill. I, I mean, this terrible know. Patriots defense has been playing better. The offensive line was the big issue with the Patriots during the last year's playoffs. Dante Skarnecki is back. The offensive line's playing pretty well. They just extended Marcus Cannon's contract. Like, they're protecting Tom Brady. And he's going to yeah. be able to just sit back in the pocket, have a cup of coffee, and figure out whether he wants to throw to his first, second, or third option. And they're not even that great of options either. But no. Do you know what? It's enough. I mean, I think, I think Vince Wilfork, you know, maybe he'll get a little something-something in there. I think Jadavian Clowney and Whitney Merciless are fantastic. I think they, you know, they'll get a pass rush on him, but I just don't see that stopping his ability to get it to Julian Edelman. I don't see that stopping, you know what, you might actually see him air it out to Malcolm Mitchell. Like, I'm seeing him throw four touchdowns in this game. I think they do what they've done to a lot of teams this season. They, they, they go to hurt you early. They go for, like, you know, 
two or th- two touchdowns if they can, three in the first half to kind of break your back. And then to change your your mentality coming out at halftime, and then they just run it out, dude. Them. And then they're just going to smoke that Legarrette Blunt and run it for the rest of the game. It's a very patented system. I mean, Patriots. Is, is there any? I mean, can I pay you to pick the Texans? I don't think I can. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. I'm afraid. I, this one, it's, this is the easiest pick. I think probably the playoffs right here. Um, well, here, let's, uh, you know, we did touch on the NFC a lot in last, uh, the podcast earlier this week. Uh, you you want to do a quick little recap of the NFC games, just a little bit? Yeah, let's Let, go for it. Let's, uh, which one, here, you pick which game we want to start with first. You want to start with the Cowboys or the Falcons game? Well, let's do that Cowboys game. I mean, it's, it's, that's probably, in my opinion, you know, the, that's the game of the week. I mean, that's, that's Shocker's game I of the week. See. That's, that's going to be the one to watch. That's I want to see. I like the steel look. I like that steel of Kansas City game, and it's an intriguing mm-hmm. one. But when you're talking about just anticipation, just mm-hmm. you're talking about you're talking about Aaron Rodgers bringing a team that wasn't that great. You know, seven wins. You just you did beat the Giants. You beat them handily, mm-hmm. and you got to go up against a juggernaut that is primarily led by two rookies. Yeah. And so it, it's there's too much going on. It is the vet versus these two rookies, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to take everything for him to get even considerably get past them. So I, I really, I'm really dying to see that one. Yeah, and you know that, and you know that, like those two rookies ain't playing Aaron Rodgers. They're playing the Packers defense. Yeah. You know, like Ezekiel Elliott is like I think he's going to be the star of the game. Like I really think he's going to rip off a few huge runs and then force Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball everywhere and. What's scary to me is that if Aaron Rodgers is able to keep them in the game and they're going toe-to-toe back and forth, then you really got to look to Dak Prescott to make some gigantic plays. And not that I, don't, not that I think he can't make those plays, but home field, divisional playoff, in the playoffs, I'm sorry, the pressure is very, very different. And I mean, I can tell you back when I was in college and I was in acting classes, yeah, that's right, I'm talking sports right now, but I have an acting degree for everybody out there who didn't know. <laughs> And I had one of my teachers who used to play a game with us. Ron Burris would play this game. He'd say, he'd say, you see that trash can over there? And you'd be like three feet from the, very close to the trash can. He'd be like, I want you to take this piece of paper and throw it into the trash can. And, I, and we'd say, okay. And you get up and you do it. And, and it's like, fine. What was the big deal? He's like, do that three times in a row. And everybody would start cheering for you. And every time, the third time, somebody would screw it up. And he's like, that's what pressure is. Okay? That's what, the, you know, all of a sudden... Hitting the big shot at the end of the game, throwing the Hail Mary at the end of the half, it's a little bit more pressure in there. And you know what? All of a sudden, Dak Prescott might not be as easy to make that pass to uh, Terrence Williams on third and 17 when it's a playoff game as opposed to a week four game. So right. You're that's. Devil's advocate here. And go I ahead. Like it. No, I'm saying that this, that's probably the unlikely scenario yeah. that I don't think anyone's going to see coming. It's. it's but, Rogers was able to get up on this Cowboys defense early, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Prescott is forced to kind of play catch up because they've never really had to do it and, this season. I see there's one or two games where they had to come from behind. I mean, that's where part of me is kind of worried that like this—that's the opportunity where the Packers have. Because what's been so scary about Aaron Rodgers right now is that no matter who the fuck he is playing he will find a way to get the ball to his receivers. Dude, yeah. the pocket breaks down. He just runs out of the pocket and finds one of his receivers. It doesn't even matter if the guy is covered. He still squeezes it in. When he threw that touchdown to Devontae Adams last week, Devontae Adams was covered. There was no he was, room. He was, he was impressed. 
a, I wouldn't go so far as to say he was impressed and on I'm, that defense. And it's easily, it was easy to hold and call if the refs had seen it, yeah. but they did not. And I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers is still going to find a way to get his. He's going to find a way to move the ball. Listen, there's going to be some drives that are going to stall and not work out. This is still football. But he's still going to keep this Packers team in it. And I, I'm just, this is not going to be a blowout by any means. No. And so I'm sitting here going, there's going to be moments when the Dallas Cowboys playmakers are going to have to make a big play. And yeah. that's, that's where I see the Packers sort of squeaking in. But, I mean, even though I say all of this, you know, I think Dallas is a juggernaut. I think they've just played so well on both sides of the ball all season, whereas, you know, Aaron Rodgers is still just Aaron Rodgers. They've still got problems on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I think that, you know, it was a little sort of overrated to a degree because the Giants, the Giants' offense sucks. They had no running game, you know, and Odell Beckham Jr. is probably the best offensive piece they had, and he had two to three of the ugliest drop balls I think I'd ever see. He had a bad game. Yeah, he just had a really bad key for the Yips or something. I don't know what it was, but I, I think he... I think, he was was that his first playoff game? I think that was his first playoff game. Yeah, I, I think he blamed a lot of that on, you know, kind of, well, quote, unquote, the media making a big issue out of something that was not an issue at all. Yeah, and yeah, not letting yeah. It go. But, you know, at the end of the day, some of those catches were definitely, they were makeable catches, and he yeah. just... He did not do that. So. Yeah, and he's listen. He's got to sleep with that, and like many other players in the NFL who have had rough, rough, awful losses like that, he's got to take it to bed and use it as fuel to you know fuel you for next season to get to that next playoff run. Yeah, it, it sucks, but that's you know that's the nature of the beast. That's how you learn, and hopefully you kind of see a maturity because he still has those anger issues, the, mm-hmm. those emotional kind of outbursts. Yeah, he's. And I I wonder if that sometimes just. That same energy that makes you such a good player mm-hmm. can sometimes also regress or keep you from like progressing to what yeah. you could be. I mean, so, dude, he's got to grow up. He's got to grow up. Yeah, he's a young guy. I'm wondering if he can kind of grow out of it because you know a lot of people don't. They, they kind of carry that. I mean, some people so. end up being Terrell Owens. I love Terrell Owens. He's an amazing talent, but that man never grew up. No, ever. Awesome. He had a few. He had a few great years left potentially, but no one just wanted to Couldn't deal with that him. baggage. Couldn't deal with him. Yeah, no one wanted to do it. Uh, now, I'm still, well, pick, I'm, yeah. I'm still well, picking the Cowboys on this game. Well, the, the question still is, you know, uh, Zeke Elliott runs for 157 yards in the first meeting. Yeah. The, where is the Packers defense going to find an answer for that? When did the pass, pass rush get that good to kind of contain the guy who, I think only the Giants are the only team that kept him really kind of... Mm-hmm on lock in, in, in any meeting this year. And so, they're not they're gone now. Giants are gone. Yeah, the Giants are gone. Like so, I don't I, don't I can't think of another team like who else in the playoffs right now still has a scary defense. Like who has who's the scariest defense in the playoffs right now? And I mean Potentially viably the Chiefs. Yeah, I was gonna say Kansas you know, City. And we just talked about how the Steelers are probably gonna burn down that defense. So it, it's it, there's no one. There's no one that has an answer for for what the Cowboys have been able to put on the field week mm-hmm. after week. So, Green Bay, good luck. Cause yeah, gonna need it. they're going to need it. Um, okay, this Falcons-Seahawks game, this one will be really interesting. This is, again, you know, this is another, this this one is even, this is an even more high-powered offense versus an even stingier defense. But, I mean, dude, we talked about it the other day. No Earl Thomas on this defense. Like, I, I got a lot of faith in the Seahawks veterans, in the in the fact that they've been there before. They've got guys with rings on their fingers already. Don't ever 
ever underestimate the heart of a champion or a tenacious defense, which is what Seattle is. That's why you can't count these guys out. But, I mean, this Atlanta Falcons offense, this is right up there with the greatest show on turf. I, I mean, I'm watching. I, I read some articles, you know, showing this Kyle Shanahan run offense. I mean, they integrate everybody. The fact that they're going to Julio, they're going to Taylor Gabriel, they're going to Austin Hooper, Justin Hardy, Muhammad Sanu, and then you throw in the running backs with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. I mean, even Seattle, with you know, even this nasty, nasty defense, they're going to find a way to move the ball on them. And just like that blowout that the Steelers had on the Chiefs, I think that game, the Falcons-Seahawks earlier in the season, when there was that questionable call on Julio Jones, that feels like a long time ago now, too. It's, it's that whole call on Richard Sherman situation is, you, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because some people look at it as like a big game changer in the outcome of that game. Mm-hmm. They're so back and forth between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it. And that, that's over and done with. I, yeah. I think you also have to look at like just the personnel, especially for the Seahawks. They don't have the same guys uh, running back. They had Christian no. Michael. Yes, he's yes. Gone. He's gone. He's playing uh, in another he, game this he's weekend. He's on the Packers. He's on the Packers. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, and just the personnel-wise, Thomas Rawls is back. He seems to be healthy. Yeah, and so let's not be deceived. And I think everyone's a little deceived right now by the fact that the Seahawks obliterated the Lions. We don't. Okay, Shaka and I are not even talking about that Lions Seahawks game. Listen, the Lions—they probably shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. Don't be deceived by how awesome the running game looked. For like, Seattle looked like world beaters in that game, but yeah, you know, the offensive line that Seattle has. Uh uh-uh. uh Just in terms of the, the just the rush alone. It just it, it falls apart. It comes apart. It's just you know it's shredded cheese. It's it, and all you see is Russell Westbrook gets maybe a three step drop mm-hmm. before he has to scramble left or right and kind of make something happen and hope that a Doug Baldwin can create his own opportunity. I mean, so there's a lot of there's a lot of room for improvement. I'm I'm really I mean that's going to be one of the more interesting parts storylines of this game is the the Seahawks offense against the Falcons defense because again like the Cowboys the Falcons don't have that do not have an amazing defense uh, you know this isn't particularly exciting we've talked about Vic Beasley coming on this year but they've you know they've had injuries um who's the uh who's the guy the guy in their set I can't remember his name Bab Jordan Babino he's the guy you know he hasn't played all year there's been a little bit of a lack like they've you know, again, they've put up all these points the last couple of weeks at the end of the regular season, but they were playing teams like the Rams and the Niners, you know, guys who yeah. who, who aren't even real football teams at this point. Um, so I definitely see opportunities for Doug Baldwin to get a couple of huge plays. Like, this could be a three-touchdown game for Doug Baldwin, except yeah, that I also see... Yeah, but I see the Falcons going toe-to-toe with it. Well, that's absolutely true. And that, that's where the, the big issue comes in with, you know, like you said, the injury to Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. They still got pretty good secondary play. Dude, and, and that front so, seven, man, front. Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, I mean, th- those guys are going to cause havoc. Yeah, there were, a couple, there were a couple plays in that last game where, you know, it, for what it's worth, I, I think Seattle had to play them a lot harder than they, they had planned to mm-hmm. just because Julio Jones was getting open. And, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it, it's really hard to kind of find an answer. For guys physically gifted, I think he what is he six six? Yeah, he, he runs uh, he runs a, a sub four. He's he's a savage. He's and, you know, superhuman. It's take more than good coverage skills to stop him because one way or another, Matt Ryan's going to get him involved. It's very rare to see 
Julio Jones not be, you know, the star of the show. And yeah. even when he's not, someone is picking up the slack yeah. because it just demands so much coverage. Because you know if, if Julio Jones is not shining, that means he's drawing that double coverage like you just yeah, said. And that exactly. means somebody someone, else is open. getting open. I mean, this could be this could be a Taylor Gabriel. Like we, I think, I don't think we've brought it up this podcast, but a lot of you know a lot of sports pundits like to say you know it's usually an X factor in the playoffs. It's 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 the unsung guy or the guy you didn't think about. Like you know the actually I'm bringing up the Seahawks Lions game. Paul Richardson, the like third or fourth receiver, had a, made a couple of huge plays. He had a really nice yeah. touchdown. He was kind of that X factor. I'm thinking Taylor Gabriel. You know. Can't you see like an end around for a sixty-yard rushing touchdown for Taylor Gabriel? This guy's got some I say, speed. I would say that's fair. You know, uh, they they have just guys with also like a Trevor Coleman who just have the the ability to, you know, make plays not just in the backfield because you know you, you, they're going to change. Well, Coleman can line up a wide receiver, mm-hmm. he's a running back, mm-hmm. and vice versa for Gabriel. So yeah. they can bring guys in motion. They can confuse the defense. They can you know trick them into different shifts and mm-hmm. it, it really causes a lot of havoc in terms of uh, actually trying to account for every guy on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, again, you know, Kyle Shanahan, offensive coordinator, I think he's going to be a head coach soon. I um, I read an article recently where uh, it was on the Ringer, Bill Simmons' uh, website, and pretty much the article outlined how they were talking about how, how great a job this offense has done, and they were like, take a look at this. Here are the first three plays from this game they played three weeks ago. They were like, same formation every single play, and every single play went differently. The first time it was an end around, the next time it was a, a slant route, the next time it was just a deep pass. But it was same formation every single time, and I'm sitting there going, this is a pretty, there's a lot going on here with this Atlanta Falcons offense, and the fact that Julio Jones, they're not just force-feeding him the ball, opens up so much else with this offense, and you throw in Alex Mack on the offensive line, I mean, this Falcons team is dangerous. And I'm going to say it again, I still think Matt Ryan's a front-runner to win MVP. I, I, you know, I'm not going to stand as I play that argument. I think one of the things that probably sums up, not just the Falcons, but Matt Ryan himself, is that they're kind of unsung. And when yeah. you look at the statistical numbers, every time you talk about it, I feel like someone's kind of remind you, like, hey, look at, mm-hmm. look at what's happening. Yeah. It's so unassuming. It doesn't seem like they're, and, and they're the, tearing up the stat sheets, but they are. The talk of the town this season has been the Cowboys. It's been the drama with Dak Prescott and Tony Romo. It's been the brilliance of Ezekiel Elliott. It's been this unprecedented run by the Cowboys. The unspoken hero here is the Falcons. The Falcons are setting records at this point, and, you know, they're... They're not getting any love. I, I think I think it's amazing. If you look at the the pedigree of quarterbacks who were setting you know these touchdown and pass yard records, and for just for the offense overall, just a collective offense to do what the Falcons have done when you've had you know your Peyton Mannings mm-hmm. and your your damn near perfect New England Patriots teams mm-hmm. on the field with Randy Moss, and it's still not measurable compared to this this year's Atlanta Falcons team on offense. It's it's kind of su- a surprise, really, but, again, they've been under radar all year, and I think really, maybe when it was maybe four or five games into the season and we were looking and said, hey, man, Falcons team could be really good. Yeah. It was also the same time that this Dallas Cowboys team was really good. Mm-hmm. This personnel that you just didn't see or expect to shine. So yeah, a lot of it, you're right, did get downplayed by 
a Cowboys team. I'm uh, I'm still picking the Falcons to win this game. I think it's their time. They're at home. They've had a you know they've had some they had a stiff matchup with the Seahawks in back in 2012. I think we're going to see the same thing all over. I mean, maybe not the matchup is 2012, but I I think that uh, I think the Falcons are going to find a way to hang quite a bit of points on this Seahawks defense. Not an awful lot, but I think that I could see them winning by 10 or you know 10 or 15 points. I, I, I'm, I'm all the way with you on this one, man. I, I just don't see how uh, this depleted secondary this defense overall. Seattle defense is solid, but not as intimidating as it once was. Not as just, you know, just oppressive as it once was. Being able to hold out one of the best offenses in NFL history. Yeah. And also, I I really look at that Seattle offensive line, and it's just, just such a big question mark. Yes in terms of what you're going to be able to get out of that. Yes. I, I, I have trouble in finding that confidence and then being able to keep up score-wise. I think it was uh, – somebody told me I, – I think it was a Bill Simmons podcast. He mentioned something about how uh, Ziggy Ansah – I think I mentioned this in the, in the last podcast. Ziggy Ansah had like two sacks on Russell Wilson in this past game, and now they're going up against Vic Beasley – who had something like 14 or 15 sacks on the season. Like, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, I, I I would not want to be part of that Seattle line after this is all said and done. It's going to be it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough game for Seattle. They're going to need to score points in bunches because defense is not going to be the integral part of it. Yeah, this is, it's going to be a rough one, I tell you. Um all right, man. I think that's all we got. Uh, we needed to preview these games. I think we picked our winners. Um, now we just got to sit back and watch the fireworks, man. Are you ready for this? I'm excited. I'm really, really looking forward to that, that Cowboys uh, Packers game. Dude, I am very psyched for that game. Sunday is the day, and you know what? They put the nice matchups on Sunday. It should be pretty exciting. Although, I am very curious to see how that Falcon Seahawks game plays out, too. I'll be watching all of them, man. I love football. Agreed. That's agreed. That's very football. Uh, yeah, look, if. We wake, you know, we we go to bed that night and Seattle somehow managed to get dude, turnovers dude. for points. You never know. You never know with that Seattle team. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. Uh, all right, that's it, uh, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, you can subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow me on. Uh, Twitter at Smithface Jones. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. And as always, email Shaka and I with any questions you might have at samsportsstation at gmail.com. S M A S S P O R T S S T A T I O N at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Get ready for football. It's going to be a hell of a weekend. Um, and with that, Shaka and I are out of here, and we will be back next week to break down these games and start previewing the conference championship games. On that note, we are Audi 5000. Enjoy football, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Enjoy the games.